Welcome to episode 84 of the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. For the last month or so, I've been saying that I'll do an episode on the equipment other than the main stuff like bodies and lenses that I'd really not like to be without. I thought I'd better get that episode out, so I spent a few hours this weekend photographing all but a couple of the things that I'm going to talk about and uploaded those photographs to my website. Today we'll go through and talk about um, 12 things in total uh, that I use quite a lot, if not all the time, in my photography. I'll try and interweave a few tips as we go along, but the main tip for each of these uh, items really is the item itself, you know, just the thing that I'm using. And you know, most of them you've probably heard of, if there are some that you haven't and you find them interesting, you might want to give them a try. Um, basically this is just sort of the things that I really uh, find useful at the moment uh, and have done for a while for some of them. Um, so I just thought I'd share these with you today. As with last week, we're going to talk, uh, we're going to look at uh, 12 images today, and I'm going to talk about 11 items in total, um, and sneak another one in there that uh, I, I kind of forgot about. But uh, So I'm, I'm going to not spend very much time looking at each image. I'm not going to go into details about the image itself, because they're just to show you the, uh, the product that I'm talking about. So let's first look at image number 1407, in which we can see the first two items. On the right is the Angle Finder C from Canon. This does exactly what you'd expect. It allows you to view the image through the lens at an angle. It rotates 360 degrees, so you can look into it from literally any angle. Uh, though it's, it's a little bit awkward sometimes to view from the bottom of the camera, um, say if you have the camera upside down or something for macro photography, but then you also have the battery grip on. Um, it can be a little bit difficult to look at, uh, but you know, generally you can look at it from any uh, direction. I use this most for low angle work, uh, such as macro photography when the camera is in a low uh, position, low to the ground. The angle finder also has a switch on the side, as you can see uh, in the photo, that switches its magnification from 1.25 times to 2.5 times. This is really quite useful when fine-tuning the focus for macro shots as it really sort of zooms in on the subject. Of course, the most important part of the, sh the shot um, is not always in the center though, uh, but when it is, uh, it's really helpful. Also, the barrel of the finder rotates to focus the finder itself, which I forget every so often, and having rotated it slightly while handling it or fitting it to the camera, uh, and then I wonder why, uh, for a moment, things are a little bit blurred. Uh, but then, you know, I, I re remember about this, uh, the rotating of the eyepiece to focus it, and everything goes back to normal. I also use this uh, sometimes even when standing up or sitting, um, but I want the camera to be lower than my eye level. Uh, this is really just a comfort thing. It just helps me to keep from straining the old back, uh, as I uh, might do if I'm sort of stooping down, either in a, from a standing position or a sitting position to look into the finder itself. So, you know, th this is just another way that I use it, not just for low-level work. Uh, 
The other thing in this first photo is uh, a spirit level. This uh, basically fits onto the flash shoe on the top of the camera and it's literally just a spirit level that helps to make sure that the camera is horizontal or um, vertical depending on whether I'm shooting in uh, portrait or landscape mode. Um, the clear plastic level there basically just contains two spirit levels. Um, one can be, you know, it, it can be, the thing itself can be fitted to the camera in two different ways as well. Um, but basically the two spirit levels are one for, um, if you just leave it in the same position and flip the camera over, then uh, the other spirit level becomes the one that tells you whether or not things are still straight. Um, you In the next image, number 1408, you can see the level sitting on top of the, um, you know, sitting in the flash shoe on my Canon EOS 5D digital SLR. The next thing that I wanted to talk about, but not uh, I've not taken a photo of, is the focusing screen EE-D. Canon makes interchangeable focus focusing screens for many of their film cameras and for the 1D, 1DS and the 5D digital SLRs. The one I bought gives me a grid inside um, the, you know, the viewfinder across the scene um, and it's basically like the spirit level, it just gives me another way of like a visible indicator of whether or not the camera is level or my verticals or horizontals are actually vertical or horizontal. Of course, sometimes a scene or subject looks a little bit more natural off-level, but when I want things to be straight, this uh, this and the spirit level really help. Um, I, found as, I find as well that this uh, grid is very useful when I'm using the tilt-shift lenses. Uh, I have a TSE 24mm that you can use to correct in the aspect of buildings and things like that that you know would normally become distorted as you look up at them or down at them. And this really helps to sort of get, say, the pillars of a building or the walls of a building straight uh, because you can literally just line them up with the lines of the grid on the uh, the focusing screen. As usual, most of the things uh, you know come into my workflow for a reason. And the next one I bought after dropping my memory case on a snowy beach in Hokkaido and having uh, had to go back uh, in a taxi with Japanese photographer Yoshiaki Kobayashi to look for uh, it by torchlight. I thought at the time that it would have been much easier to find in the dark if the memory case was a bright colour, so when I saw this yellow case that we can see in image number 1417, I thought that it would be uh, a good addition to my kit. These, I'm, I'm not sure what how you pronounce the manufacturer, but uh, these are Gepi or Gep or Geep, uh, G-E-P-E, card safe extreme memory cases. You can see from the grey one on the left uh, that, you know, because you can see the, the base of the case, uh, that they fit man, many different types of memory, all, all in the same case. Um, I'll put a link to the website for uh, you know, for many of the things that we'll look at today, including this, so that you can check check out this company and see if they have something that suits you too, uh, if you're, you're not so happy with the design of this one. But they have a, a good range of cases. Um, I saw a, a slimmer one on there yesterday uh, when I was checking out the, you know, the, the website planning for this show. I not only went um, for this case for the bright colour, but also for the fact that they're incredibly strong and also waterproof. 
If I was to drop this into the sea, for example, while shooting eagles from a boat, it would not only be waterproof and you know it would float. Uh, so I could hopefully fish it back out uh, without losing the images and also saving the contents of the card because the cards, because they wouldn't get wet. Although I have heard stories of people washing memory cards in in clothes and still all of the images being intact, but I wouldn't like to risk it, uh, especially not with salt water. Of course, there's nothing better than being careful uh, so as not to drop the case in the first place. Uh, but in the cold and with the excitement of the moment, sometimes things can slip our minds and out of our hands. One piece of advice related to memory cards or memory holders um, is that when I've filled a card before I've uh, made at least one backup, I'll put the card back into the case with the front label facing down. This way, if I get carried away shooting and come back to change the card again later, I can easily see which cards are fallen, which I can use. I also usually write my name and email address uh, or, or phone number, uh, if there's room both, on the back of the cards. I actually found a card case a few years ago full of memory cards, which I handed in at the police station but never found out if the owner got the cards back. If they'd had an email address or a phone number or something uh, on the cards or in the case, I could have contacted the owner myself and then sent the cards back directly. And I'd hope that someone finding mine, uh, if they understood the pain, the obvious pain of losing these things, they would do the same favour for me too. In image number 1418, we can see my filter removers. A few times I found that I could not remove my filters in the field and either wasted time trying until I could or had to leave them on until I got home. Fortunately, I've never got one stuck that stops me from getting a shot, but if I, if I was to get, say, a polarizer or an ND filter stuck on the lens, uh, it would increase my shutter speed and possibly uh, I'd lose shots. For this, I've found these light plastic filter removers and drop them into the front pocket of my bag whenever I go out. You basically have to sort of grip the front of the uh, lens with one of one of the grips and the filter with the other and then you just turn them in the opposite directions. I've only had to use them twice uh, but they're quick and easy to use saving me time and possibly shots. One tip would be though that um, Filters usually don't budge when you apply too much pressure in just two or three places. When people um, get filters stuck on the front of their lenses, what they tend to do is to sort of grip their hands around it. I used to do this. This is why I know. Um, and I, I can't remember who gave me the tip. But, um, you know, when, when you get a filter stuck on the front of your lens, what you generally tend to do is to sort of cup your hand around it with two or three fingers, your thumb and a couple of fingers, and really put a lot of force into it and then try to rotate the filter. And what this does is it causes the filter to be uh, temp or the frame of the filter to become temporarily misshaped, making it oval or some other shape, you know, sticking out more in some places than it would normally. And this actually makes it even more difficult to rotate. So you'll find that holding it evenly with four or maybe all, you know, your thumb as well, all five fingers, and then turning it lightly will often get it off much quicker than putting all of your strength all of your strength into it still 
when that doesn't work, um, and it has with me just twice, but uh, when that doesn't work, these filter removers do come in handy. The next gadget that I'd hate to be without is the Stofen Omli Bounce. And this is a diffuser that uh, we can see in image number 1416. I know that some people aren't that uh, keen on these, and I know that there are other solutions to diffuse flashlight, but I personally find the Omnibounce diffuser to be fine for most of the flash work that I do, and it's nice and light. It really helps to remove the harsh shadows that uh, direct flash can cause. Of course, you can bounce uh, the light to soften it, uh, but I actually bounce light with the diffuser, the diffuser attached, which I also find helps give an even nicer sort of soft light. But when the ceiling is too high or non-existent, you can point your flash straight at the subject with this diffuser attached and still get nice soft light. It doesn't work well in portrait mode, I find. Um, you know, it. what you'll basically do is, if there's a wall or something too close to your subject, then you'll you'll find that you get a, a pretty harsh shadow on the opposite side of the subject to you know the one the side that you have the flash on if you've rotated your camera uh, anti-clockwise so that the flash is on the left then they'll have a, a pretty harsh shadow down the right if they've got a wall or something close by to them in image number 1415 we can see the next item that usually makes its way into my bag when I'm going to be out shooting landscapes and that's just a plain old compass Especially when you're out trying to get into position for a sun or moonrise, it's nece necessary to know where the sun or moon is actually going to peep over the horizon. And although you can usually guess, and you know the light, the, the light in the sky will be sort of getting gradually more and more in that particular place uh, with the sunrise, at least not always as of as obvious with the moon. Um, in fact, I'd say rarely uh, very obvious with the moon. But if you use a tool to find out the exact location uh, that the sun or the moon will rise, a compass will really help to get yourself into that uh, perfect position and set up for the moment. The next thing that I'd say no one can be without is a good big blower, which um, we can see in image number 1413. This is actually the one that I leave at home usually and I use uh, for blowing the dust off the front and rear elements of my lenses before trips but I also have uh, one, a smaller one that I carry with me on trips that, that, that I use for this. The main reason that I use this big one is to blow the dust off my camera's sensor. I find that holding the camera upside down and then blowing the dust from inside the camera uh, you know and first of all, and then selecting sensor cleaning from the camera's menu and again holding the camera upside down and giving the sensor a really good blow does this, you know, it basically keeps um, most of the dust away. Sometimes it gets a little bit stubborn so I take the camera to the service center for a more thorough clean. This is only really every so often and I think that it's been more than a year since I had my 5D sensor cleaned. I know that there are lots of other ways to keep the uh, sensor clean, but you know yourself. But I just haven't found that it's been necessary yet. In image number one four one four, we can see one of my Wimberley plamps. 
PLAMP stands for plant clamp, I believe, and basically that's what I use it for most of the time. When shooting flowers close up on breezy days, they can sway around quite a lot, making it difficult to get your shot. If you clamp the plamp to your uh, tripod leg and then grab the stalk of the plant, uh, being careful to sort of get it in the, the grooves there so as not to actually harm the, the plant in any way, uh, you grab the stalk and then you know basically position it so that it doesn't tug it in either way. Um, you do that if you look at the if you can see the photograph. Uh, this it's like uh, um, clothes pegs. It's sort of the blue plastic part of the plamp in in my photograph. Uh, though I realise that they um, have different colours available. Um, then basically, what this does is it stops the plant from swaying around while you shoot it. You can of course uh, hold other things with the plamp. I actually carry two around me around with me when I'm out shooting flowers uh, or insects on flowers. So I can use one to hold the, pl the plant itself if it's breezy and another one to hold say a reflector in position or a piece of semi-transparent white plastic over the subject to cut out some of the light uh, to either increase the level um, of contrast between the flower and its surroundings or to sort of level it out making it more even. I'm sure that there are lots of other ways to use uh, the plant, but these are just a few of the ways that I use mine. Let's move on to image number 1412, in which we can see a really right stuff focusing rail. I mentioned both the plant and this in one of my macro episodes, but just to recap, as I'd really not like to be without either of these tools, when shooting macro at life size or higher magnification to get a, li you know, a little bit closer or further away or even sort of moving uh, the camera left or right slightly it can be a real pain to actually start moving your camera around on the tripod itself. With focusing rails you can sort of move the camera backwards and forwards by rotating the screws at the, the front or the back or left and right movement is obtained by sort of slackening the quick release uh, latch thing there and you slide the top rail around and then you just sort of retighten the quick release. More importantly I'd say is that the uh, the forward and backward movement is so precise that it helps you to actually fine-tune focusing especially when using lenses like the 65mm um, that has a one one to five times magnification that basically has no focusing mechanism. If you want more details on this lens and using the focusing uh, rail as well, uh, please do listen uh, to episode 43 if you've not uh, picked up on that one already, in which I talked about uh, shooting at life size and larger. I'll put a link to the Really Right Stuff website uh, page where you can see the focusing rails into the show notes as well. Um, you, if you have, uh, if you want to look, just click on the B150-B package link to the right of the page, and this way you can see this particular model. Uh, this allows you to use the uh, rails with lenses, um, you know, the, use these particular rails with lenses uh, that have the tripod ring mounts. Uh, if you use the rail by actually mounting the camera directly rather than the lens, then 
you wouldn't need this at the top rail that goes horizontally across and that allows me to move the camera left and right. So finally, uh, one of the newest additions to my kits is a walk stool. Uh, that we can see, uh, we're going to look at the next three photos um, are of the walk stool. And the first one is image number 1411. And there we can see my walk stool in its fully wrapped up state. Having tried a few for height, I decided on the walk stool basic 50 centimeters or 20 inch model. This is actually the second to shortest of the models available right now. There are a fair few taller ones uh, as well, uh, but as you might imagine, the taller they get, the heavier they get. The one that I have is uh, 65, uh, 650 grams or 23 ounces. The other important thing is that uh, I'm not carrying this thing around um, with me to give me something to sit down and eat lunch on. It's basically uh, to allow me to get down low for macro and other low-level work without starting to get all uncomfortable while you know shooting in that position for a long time. The 50 centimeter stool I found was uh, a perfect sort of height for medium height shooting. And the wonder of this stool is that, uh, as we can see in image number 1410, you can actually just um, undo the strap and open the stool up and use it without extending the legs for an even lower support of 30 centimeters or 12 inches. If you're not familiar with these stools, you might be thinking right now that they may not support your weight. If, like me, you're carrying a, just a pound or two of excess baggage, <laughs> but uh, unless you're a sumo wrestler and you know the, what, the walk stool website does use this as an example, but unless you're a sumo wrestler in his prime, even these uh, smaller walk stools should be fine. The one I use uh, supports up to 150 kilograms or 330 uh, pounds. So I, I think I can have a few more pints of Guinness yet before having to worry about this. In the last of the three images, number 1409, we can see the walk stool fully extended. Although I would not suggest sitting on the standard model for a whole day, they, they're really, you know, definitely great for an hour or so while waiting for some action to unfurl or while shooting some macro shots. They are even remarkably comfortable when using uh, for a reasonable length of time without the legs extended, as I just mentioned you know, in the last shot. If you really want a comfortable sit though, uh, as opposed to the basic model, they also do a comfort model, which has a larger sitting area. This would probably have been better for me uh, when you consider the size of my Jaxi, but as the comfort increases, so does the weight. So I decided to give the weight uh, preference over comfort. As it is, I can just uh, attach this walk stool to the back of my Rookstack uh, style camera bag and forget about it until I need it. So that's almost it. I haven't talked about my Y-Bal today which is a type of grey card that you uh, shoot to either set your custom white balance while shooting or to set the white balance later in post-processing. I'd like to say that I'm not going to cover this today because I've covered it in other podcasts, but if I admit to myself and to you 
the real reason is because I just forgot to take a photo of it yesterday. So I'd better just say that this still is one item that I use pretty regularly, especially when the uh, light is a little bit challenging. I will add a link to the Wybow website to the show notes in case you're interested and you don't already uh, know about this or own one. Or want one, actually. <laughs> um, so there are a few other things that I've um, probably forgotten to mention. And as usual, if you have something that uh, you just can't live without, please do come by the forum at martinbaileyphotography.com and let us know about it. There is actually one other item that I'm seriously thinking about adding to my kit right now. And some of you will probably be laughing when you hear this, um, but it's a pair of knee pads. Now, I know that I'm going to look really silly walking around parks with knee pads on, and I don't even own a skateboard. Uh, but I'll probably end up putting them on uh, only when necessary. But when when you weigh as much as I do, and, and I'm not sure I mean, about other people, but... When kneeling down on gravel or uneven surfaces, pretty soon it becomes a painful deal. And Ginichi, a photography store in Ginza here in Tokyo, has started to stock a pair of quick-release knee pads that I have my eye on, and I'll probably be picking some up soon. I gave up trying to look cool while out photographing a long while ago, and would much prefer to get a few extra low-angle shots, um rather than uh you know just well i don't think i don't think i i've been looking cool for a long time anyway but uh I, you know i don't think i'm missing shots um because i usually put up with the the pain but then I, i'm sort of grimacing with pain as i stand up a little sooner than i would if my knees weren't sort of being mashed up by the uneven surface Just a couple of pieces of housekeeping before we finish today. Uh, firstly, remember that the simplicity assignment is now closed and I've turned on the voting system. Please do come by uh, to the mbpgalleries.com website and take a look at the album. Uh, there's a link halfway down, a thumbnail, uh, which is a link halfway down the top page. And take a moment to register if you're not already a member and vote for your favorite image. There are some really amazing shots in there and I'm really looking forward to see again. I said this last week, but I'm really looking forward to seeing what you guys choose. Um, thanks again for all of those that took part. I've also noticed um, while looking through the images uh, that some of the people that have uploaded images have not registered on the martinbaileyphotography.com website. If you're going to sort of you know pe take part, then please do um, add or you know, create an account with the same name and uh, email address and password on the martinbaileyphotography.com website, so that when I do eventually get around to linking these two sites, uh, you know, you won't lose your account. Voting, by the way, will continue until the end until the end of Sunday, the 29th of April, and that will be the time when we'll find out who the winner of the uh, original print for this particular assignment, uh, an original print of your choice from my gallery. But more importantly, this will be the one that will find out who will scoop the annual prize um, based on the accumulated votes for the whole year. And which, you know, the prize itself is going to be the amazing low-pro stealth reporter D650 AW camera bag. 
So one other thing is a few weeks ago I requested people to mail me if you know of any good lens review uh, or lens comparison sites. Thanks very much to all of those that have posted links on the forum and also that have mailed me. Uh, but if you have time, if you're, gonna, if you're thinking of mail me, mailing me, then if you do have time before uh, writing the email and shooting it off to me, please do sort of go over and check the forum, the podcast forum at my website and uh, just check if the link's not there. I've, re- I've received quite a few mail from people with the same uh, the same link that, and it's already on the, uh, the website uh, quite a few times. So, um, you know, obviously I'll check if you don't have time and you send it me, I'll check beforehand anyway. Um, but if it's a toss-up between sending the mail and not sending it and you know please ignore what I've just said and send it anyway but if you do have time uh, you know check it out before um, you you make the you know send me the email and you might save yourself um, a little bit of time writing the mail and me a little bit of time checking as well so apart from that um, you know whatever you're doing this week uh, have a great time doing it and I'll speak to you again next week thanks for listening bye bye photocastnetwork.com your photography resource in the potosphere photocastnetwork.com